American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-Mac attack. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. <laughs> And welcome back into the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast for the week of December the 7th, 2021. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by my co-host from Sports Illustrated, Skylar Callahan. And uh, we thought at the end of last week, we weren't really sure which way we were going to go with the episode uh, with the Panthers coming off of their bye week and didn't even have practice last week. Uh, but then, uh, of course, the Panthers decided to make some news right around one o'clock on Sunday afternoon. So <laughs> we'll get into that uh, in just a bit before we get on. Uh, with today's program, a quick word from Bet Online. Uh, they are back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use, your fir- use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right up to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021-22 season. BetOnline is the fastest, easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. Uh, Skyler, let's just start off with uh, Sunday. Um, Sunday, right around opening kickoffs around the league, the Panthers on a bye week decided to make some noise. Uh, Head coach Matt Rule decided to and former offensive coordinator Joe Brady, that he would no longer, his services would no longer be required with the Carolina Panthers with five weeks to go in the uh, regular season. What were your initial thoughts on this? Did you did you leave last Sunday thinking that this was a possibility, or did you think that they would probably just stick it out through the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, Desmond, I mean, I think this has kind of been something that we all knew was coming. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. And – I kind of felt like after that last game that it, it could be a possibility considering they were going into the bye week. I would have thought that if they were to make the move, it would have been probably a little earlier in the bye week. That way they could maybe get a head start with with Jeff Nixon in, in his role, and they could also allow Joe Brady to maybe get involved in some of these coaching rumors down at the college level. So I was a little shocked by the timing of it, I would say. Uh, it kind of came out of left field, if you will, but – I don't think it was necessarily a shock that the move was made. I think, you know, in a way, I do kind of agree that if you know Joe Brady's not going to be the guy and he's not going to be the the, the guy to, to fix your offensive issues, then why keep him the final five games? If you already know that answer, because as we've said this term a million times over, the definition of insanity is continuing to do the same thing over and over and over with, and expecting different results. Well, it's kind of getting to that point. You know what I mean? So yeah. the, I, I think with these final five games, they're going to let Jeff Nixon have a chance and see what he can do. 
And if it works, great. If not, then they're going to go find somebody in the offseason. But I don't think that Joe Brady being around these final five games is going to do them any good or Joe Brady any good. I think at this point uh, they just want to see what they have and and maybe move on from, you know, or maybe and just see what they have with Jeff Nixon. I think this is a great opportunity for them to change some things up a little bit. They won't change a lot, but – I, I do think it, it it makes sense to get rid of him now because if you know he's not going to be the guy, then why keep him around? You know, it's funny too because we went this entire season before mentioning Jeff Nixon's name until last week uh, on this podcast. That was the first time I believe this entire season yeah. that we'd even mentioned his name, and then literally, you know, four days later, he's the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. I didn't realize him and Matt Rule have been like high school buddies; like they've known each other for for yeah. decades. Wow. Uh, it's kind of weird the I don't know the 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 relationships that rule has with his top coordinators uh it's almost college like like he's bringing people in he knows which is fine I mean that's that's something you should do but a little concerned about on one hand neither one of these coordinators Phil Snow or now Jeff Nixon uh in the interim if I'm not mistaken had any NFL uh signal calling experience before you know last year now snow has you know been allowed to they've gathered some young talent and he's been able to do some things on the defensive side where i don't know how this is possible but carolina's still i think in the top three in overall defense um right now for the uh the 2021 season we'll see with nixon but to me it kind of felt like going, circling back around to joe brady after rule went into the media and basically said, you know, they need to run the ball more and actually gave a number. He was like, we need to run it like 33 times or something like that a game. At the time, it sounded weird. It's like, why would you say that in a media press conference? Like, why would you reveal what you want to do? But th- that was that was three weeks ago. Like, and they haven't done it for some reason. And it was just like thinking back on those games that they played, they didn't really get the, the scores look lopsided by the time you get to the end of it. But they, those games weren't really blowout games. The Panthers could have started running the ball at any time in those games and just didn't. And they had McCaffrey for two of the past three games, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I didn't understand why Brady was not calling run plays and run situations. And like he would just kind of fall into this trap of running pass plays. And he was doing it with a quarterback that could that just was throwing it to the other team. Let's just be real. Uh, Sam Darnold was just throwing it to the other team by the time he got to the end. And with Cam Newton, who had eight days of practice before uh, last week's game against uh, the Dolphins. So it didn't make sense. It was like he was intentionally going against the grain, and I couldn't figure that part out. Like, why, if your boss is telling you he wants you to do it like this, and you've been doing it a different way, why would you continue to do it the, the way that was different and expect to keep your job? And that's kind of what it felt like between Brady and Rule, either that or they just simply don't talk to each other, which is also alarming, uh, you know, this deep into the season and for both of their pro careers. It just – the whole thing seemed kind of like uh, one side, Matt, uh, Matt Rule, wasn't really telling the complete truth. I feel like he knew he was going to let him go last week, like after the Dolphins game. But uh, no one was in the building. He gave the whole team the week off. And – this thing that I keep seeing that he wanted to let him go on Saturday, but they couldn't find him. <laughs> like, I don't know what, what is that? They couldn't, they couldn't find him all day Saturday, his employer. They couldn't figure out where Joe Brady was to let him go. Was he ducking them? Like, did he know that they were calling for, he might've like, been. He <laughs> been <on the> <laughs> There's so much like underlying stuff here that I'm just trying to like sift through. I'm like, this whole thing looks weird. Like 
to your point, what you were saying uh, about Nixon, why wouldn't you have done it earlier in the week for Nixon to prepare? I think Nixon knew. I think Nixon knew they were going to let him go, and he has been preparing for most of the yeah. week because Cam Newton stayed in Charlotte the whole week with the quarterback coach. So what would he be working on if they weren't thinking about letting Brady go? You know, like, why would Brady not be there? The offensive coordinator, like all week, if Cam stayed in town all week to work on the playbook, why wouldn't Brady be there too? You know, like it's little things like that where it's kind of like maybe Brady already knew they just had made it official. Maybe rule already knew there was no back and forth. He was, he was just kind of trying to figure out a way to do this in a manner that could be slid right in. And if you do it at 1 PM on Sunday, when kickoffs are going on, maybe it's not such a, a huge story as it is. If you do it on Monday in your bye week when there's not that much news going on in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, this this whole situation has kind of seemed, I mean, as you said, weird, odd, awkward. It's just it, – but it seems like there was some sort of disconnect between Rule and Brady, and it's not it's not a bad thing because, it, like I said, if, if you know he's not going to be the guy, then you need to make the move the moment you know that. And I think yeah, – I, I agree with that. Rule, Rule was waiting – as long as he possibly could, because I think he truly does like Joe Brady. He he believes he's a good coach. He's he's a bright offensive mind, and I and I stated this in one of my articles. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Joe Brady. He, I mean, everyone just thinks he's a bad football coach. He's not a bad coach. Like this dude, there's a reason why he got the job in the first place. But I think he 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 went up the ladder too quickly. He kind yeah. of took some steps and wasn't really necessarily ready for that type of job. But if you go back and look at it, in, when he was at LSU, he was the passing game coordinator and, co- and receivers coach. He was not the offensive coordinator. He didn't have full control of the offense. So what is, what is that? What is the passing game coordinator? Every person I ask, they, they can't give me a direct answer as to what exactly his duties were because he wasn't actually calling plays, was he? No. So he, he had an influence on the plays from what I understand, and that's <laughs> – <laughs> that's that's what I have kind of gathered. I have a couple of, of buddies that are college coaches, and the one uh, one of my friends told me who he coaches at the University of Buffalo right now, and he said that basically a passing game coordinator influences play calls, but they kind of just they package what passing plays they want to throw in throughout the week. They give suggestions throughout the game. Um, they coach up the quarterbacks, receivers throughout the game, stuff like that. So they don't really call the plays, but they have a hand in it. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when you go back and look, I mean, if he didn't call the plays at LSU, I mean, that's one thing. But the second thing is, I mean, you look at that team. I mean, they were freaking stacked, man. I mean, they yeah, had yeah. Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Ter- Terrace Marshall, list goes on and on. And sometimes I think a coach could make a player – and I think sometimes the player makes a coach. And I think that was the instance with Joe is he had he benefited from all that talent and having arguably the best offense in the history of college football on his resume. And he got the Panthers job. So I think he he's going to turn out to be a really good coach. I really do believe that. I just think he needs to go back and brush up on some of the other steps that he missed out on and to maybe be, go be a college offense coordinator, then become a college head coach, and then maybe go to the, back to the NFL – as a coordinator. So I think he's got to go through those steps before he gets back to being in the NFL. But as far as the Panther situation, I, I, I totally agree with the whole running the ball. Again, yes. back, his background is passing game coordinator. So he has really not, not much experience with, Hey, let's commit to the run game. He's always had a, his mind running as, okay, we got to figure out how to throw the football, how to throw football. 
with Joe, I think, again, he's a smart guy, but I think he outsmarts himself. And when sometimes smart people try outthink themselves and they get too conservative, if you look at the last two years of this Panthers offense, it has been super conservative, super vanilla, and they do not take shots down the field. That's mm-hmm. the simple fact. I don't care if it's Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Darn. Everyone's getting on Teddy last year about how he didn't have an have a strong enough arm. Sam has a strong enough arm, but they didn't take shots with him. Yeah. So I think that's that's kind of the, the gist with Joe Brady. He's he was too conservative. And when you don't have that history of calling plays, you're gonna be even more conservative because you don't trust yourself. I felt watching the Miami game, thinking back on it, went back and watched the uh, the highlights that the NFL puts out on each game each week. And after our podcast last week, I went back and watched it again after uh, they let Brady go. And I was struck by one thought. Why did the Panthers not run RPO? Yeah, like I mean, you, you've got Cam Newton back there. He doesn't really know the playbook, and it shows. And for some reason, Joe Brady is calling for this dude to drop back into seven-step drops and, and throw this into coverage. And he's seeing targets late, which is understandable because he's exp- he doesn't have that chemistry worked out yet. And it's like they just put them in a, a position to fail really from the beginning. The coach is telling you to run the ball more. You've got one of the most prolific runners at quarterback in the history of the league. Christian McCaffrey's still out there and healthy in the first part of this game. Why would you not make the Dolphins think about Because you know the Dolphins practiced against this all week long. They had to be assuming, okay, we're going to get a heavy dose of RPO with Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey. We got to figure out how to stop this. And and Joe Brady just never, like not once, ever really leaned on that because you can run RPO and not necessarily run full-blown plays. Like it's really more of a chess match between numbers. And, you know, they've got three over on this side. I've got four. I'm going to keep this one. Or I'm going to hand this off to CMC. Or I'm going to dump this out 10 yards to DJ Moore running this, this slant route on this car. Like it, it makes it where Cam can kind of, almost video game it out there in terms of the play, but it's all kind of in the same base and they did none of it. And when they didn't do that, that's when I was kind of like, all right, <clears throat> I don't know if it'll be this week. It's the bye week, but it's really late. There's only five weeks left in the season. I don't know if they would switch them or not, but if they're going to, it's probably going to happen during this week sometime. And lo and behold, it did. Now, if they were completely and totally out of the playoff picture, I think that they would probably have kept them on. The fact that they're like still in the hunt at five and seven and the, the NFC is a mess. Let's just start right there. <laughs> the NFC is a hot mess. Like there's so many teams, like half, pretty much the entire NFC is still active and has a, a chance to get to the playoffs. A team like the Washington football team that beat us a couple of weeks ago and we were looking down on it like, oh, this is a bad. They're, uh, hot. they're hot. Yeah. Like Ron Rivera's got them at six and six and challenging the Cowboys for the NFC East. So yeah, the whole season's been weird. To me, this people keep saying this is a desperation move for Matt Rule to keep his job. I think it was a move to try to make the playoffs. Absolutely. Like he's yeah, he's not even thinking about saving his own job. He feels pretty secure with that, I think. Now, should he? I don't know. But uh, to me, this was like, okay, we got five weeks left. If we've got a top three defense overall in the league, it's been that way all year. We're getting reinforcements back. Stephon Gilmore is fully healthy now. So we can kind of weather the storm of not having Dante Jackson. They've got enough. And if they can just get Cam to the point where he's not turning the ball over and moving the chains, and which they can do in the run game, they can make the playoffs. They'll sneak in as a wild card, make everybody feel happy, and then Rule gets a basically a extension with the public on what he's doing with this team. But 
he's got to – I think he has to make the playoffs. Otherwise, he's going to have a whole offseason and then preseason next year of people questioning his job. He's going to definitely be on the hot seat. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people are going to do that regardless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's but, probably- but here's the thing. When you look at it, people have to be realistic because, again, we have talked about this, this month of December and how brutal it is going to be. I mean, it, it, we have talked about it almost since we started the show – Mm-hmm. that they are going to have to get to eight, nine wins before that stretch starts because there's a chance they could lose all four of those final four games. And that still rings true. So when you have the Bills, the Saints, and the Bucks twice, not many teams are going to go over, you know, go three and one or four and oh in that stretch. You're going to see a lot of ones and threes, oh and fours, and maybe a few that can go two and two. So I think people have to keep that in mind. But to also go with what you were saying with Matt Rule, I 100% agree. I, I don't understand why people think that Rule is on the hot seat right this moment. I mean, he he's doing what he can with what he's got to work with. If you go back and look at the moves that happened in the offseason, okay, and, and you go back to the draft, you go back to free agency, whatever, if I were to tell you before the start of the season that Sam Darnold would be the same Sam Darnold that was in New York, that Christian McCaffrey played in seven games, okay, your first-round pick um, that was J.C. Horn would be only playing in two-and-a-half games and would be out for the rest of the year. Your second-round pick, Terrace Marshall, wouldn't call him a bust just yet, but, I mean, he hasn't really done enough to really get on the field. Yeah. And your third-round picks, Brady Christensen and Tommy Tremble, have done okay things, but they're guys that, that are going to take some time. So – you really needed Sam Darnold to play well. You really needed uh, J.C. Horn to stay healthy. And you, I go back to this article I did before the season started. It was the four, four reasons the Panthers can make the playoffs. Improved quarterback play. Well, that didn't happen. In a healthy Christian McCaffrey. Well, that didn't happen. A stronger defense. I would say that did happen. And then the final uh, thing was you, you've got to take advantage of the favorable start of the schedule, which did, they did not do. So – when you didn't do three of the four things that that should get you into the playoffs, you shouldn't expect to make the playoffs. So I don't I don't know what Matt Rule needs to do this offseason outside of retooling the offensive line and getting the quarterback. But I, I think until he's got to prove that he can he can make some of those moves. Ha- I mean, and everyone goes back and says, "Oh, Matt Rule wanted T- Teddy Bridgewater and he wanted Sam Darnold." We've talked about this. That's not exactly what happened. They wanted Sam Brad or not Sam Bradford. Goodness gracious! They wanted Matthew Stafford. That didn't happen. So they also wanted Deshaun Watson. They couldn't make that happen. So they they were really on their third option at that point. What else do you want them to do? Everyone, even the fan base, did not want Teddy Bridgewater back. So yeah. I think this this off season is going to be the off season where they're going to make moves to really really push themselves into contention. And again, you look back at his blueprint at Temple at Baylor, year three is when they really start to contend. Year two is kind of like where they're hovering around 500. And that's right where the Panthers are at. So to expect that anything would be better than what it is right now would be foolish. I think if we had started off one and three, our expectations would have been tampered a bit. But starting off three and oh, kind of wet the appetite of the Panther fans who have been kind of dumped on by other NFL fans for the past six years really since the 2015 season uh i've learned there's a lot of opposing fan bases that do not like the panthers because of that 2015 season and the dab and just all that stuff 
that they do not like the Panthers or Cam Newton for that matter. So Cam Newton coming back home, that created a kind of a, a bump uh, in motion with the Panther fans too. And that kind of rebuilt the whole, Hey, we might be able to do something thing again. I'm looking at the NFC playoff picture. Uh, the Cardinals are, they have the best uh, record in the NFC at 10 and two. Inexplicably, the Panthers beat them. Uh, the Packers at nine and three. Uh, the Bucks are at nine and three, who we'll see twice, like you mentioned, over the next five weeks. And the Cowboys are at eight and four. Um, wild card leaders right now, the Rams at eight and four, the 49ers at six and five, and then the Washington football team at six and six. And then in, in the hunt, you've got the Eagles at six and seven, who we've lost to, the Vikings at five and seven, who we've lost to, the Panthers at five and seven. The Falcons at five and seven, who we've beaten once, and we'll see them on Sunday. The Saints at five and seven, who we've beaten once, and we'll see them in a couple of weeks. The Giants at four and eight, and the Bears at four and eight, who are just kind of hanging around mathematically, but we lost to the Bears. Or excuse me, to the Giants. So it's like they the Panthers, just to get into the playoffs, they almost have to they got to win four of the last five, I think. Yeah, they almost have to win out just to get past the, the the Vikings and Eagles ahead of them because of losses they shouldn't have had to them in the first place. Uh, going especially that Eagles game that Eagles game stands out as like a game that even playing ugly they should have just left the stadium with a win that day because the Eagles weren't doing anything of any merit and we kind of gave that game away uh same for the Giants really so I mean I don't know the defense gives me hope they might be able to do something it really comes down to how much work has Cam Newton put into this playbook during the bye week and this upcoming week and can they dedicate themselves to the run? Can they protect Cam Newton? Cam Newton shouldn't be throwing the football more than I don't 20, know, 20 times. times. Yeah, like 20 times. Go, you know, 15 for 20 for 225. Give me a touchdown in the air and on the ground. And we're winning that football game probably, you know, so with no turnovers. And I think Cam can do that at this point in his career. Matter of fact, we've seen it. We saw him do it. Yeah. So it's like, why would you go away from what worked? That's why I'm kind of like, I don't understand the Joe Brady thing I, I just i never understood it I, I couldn't figure out why he was listed as this like wonder kid because i couldn't see it on the field i never saw anything that made me think oh man that was creative or i've never seen that before you know but like if you watch someone like uh like sean mcveigh you're seeing things like the routes that they're running sending the quarterback to the left side of the field having him throw intentionally across his body to the right to you know things like that they're doing things against the grain, and it's different offensively. Joe Brady did not provide any of that, so I'm not really sure. People There's keep saying, no "Dude, where's he going to? Where's he going to go?" I don't know what what happens next for him with Joe Brady. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think he's got to go back to college. I mean. There's going to be some offensive coordinating jobs that pop open. Um, I've I've seen some potential links to him at Miami, which it's Ooh. the area he's from with Mario Cristobal there now. Mm, that would make sense. Maybe yeah. Oregon, maybe Oklahoma, who just hired Brent Venables. They need an offensive mind in there. Hmm. Um, what, about, what about LSU? LSU, definitely, because, I mean, like, he has the ties there. Brian Kelly, when he got hired at LSU, he was trying to bring Tommy Reese down to, to LSU, and he denied that. He said, I'm staying at Notre Dame. So, I, I'd be, I wouldn't be shocked to see him go to LSU. And coincidentally enough, that <laughs> – the offensive coordinator at LSU last year was Jake Peets, who was with the Panthers the year before as the quarterbacks coach. So huh. very, very interesting ties there. I think that could happen. Um, but to go to go with that that playoff stretch, I mean, I think 
they, they cannot lose to the Atlanta Falcons this Sunday. I, I no. do not. If that happens, I think you can go ahead. And even though they're, they would still mathematically be in it, you can just write them off. But yep. if they win, they keep their hopes alive. And let me, and I'll just say this. Okay, maybe that four-game stretch isn't looking as tough as maybe it once was because, let's be honest, the Saints have not looked very good. They are scrambling to figure things out at quarterback, and they're almost honestly identical to the Panthers. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And you go and you look at Buffalo, and they have not played well at all lately. I mean, they look like a team that should be clear favorites in the AFC to reach the Super Bowl, but. They just have not played like it. They have looked like a very, I, I, I don't know, a team that just lacks confidence right now. So yeah, they, they're real one-dimensional. I don't, I don't know what happened to them, but they're they're super one-dimensional right now. Yeah. So I mean, it's not like that. Buffalo is an unbeatable team. I think that's a, a game that they could win. So realistically, you can beat the Atlanta Falcons. You can beat the New Orleans Saints. If you can beat the Buffalo Bills on the road, there's three of five. If you can. St- somehow split one of those with Tampa, you're in. So I mean, I mean, at least I, I would think you're in. So I would think so too. I mean at that point you would be nine and nine and eight, eight I believe. Nine and eight at the end. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's gonna be a team that's nine and eight or eight and nine that's probably going to get into that that seventh wild card spot. So why not Carolina? And then you got something to kind of build on going forward. I will say this about Tampa Tampa doesn't strike me as like a juggernaut defending Super Bowl champion. Like they have warts they, themselves, you know. They, stru- they struggle on the road. If you look at their home and road splits, it's like very, very high popping. How their offense—I don't know if it still is. At one point, they're averaging almost like dang near forty points a game at home, and it's like mm-hmm. completely different on the road. So you can get Tampa at at Bank of America Stadium, I believe. I don't think you're going to beat them down there in Tampa Bay, but. There is a legit possibility that they could get to nine and eight. And even if they don't, I think eight and nine. I mean, could you really, if they could get to eight and nine with McCaffrey playing seven games, you have three different starting quarterbacks on the year, and your first round pick is out for pretty much the entire season. I mean, could, can, people really complain about being eight and nine? I mean, and, and you fire the offensive coordinator on your bye week. Exactly. You fired the office coordinator on the bye week. It almost goes back to last year. Last year's team should have never won five games, but they did. This year's team probably should never get the eight wins, but they have a chance. So I think he's doing more. I think people just look at the wins and losses. They see how the team's playing, and they form their opinion. They don't really look at the whole – dive into the nuts and bolts of the whole operation and see what this team really should be. So if they get to eight and nine, I think – Again, I think that's kind of exceeding expectations at this point. So I, I think next year, 2022, has to be the year of results, I think. Absolutely. You cannot have another season like these last two years. You've got to get that quarterback situation figured out. You've got to make the playoffs. Real quick before we get out of here, a quick word from uh, one of our sponsors at Lightbox. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lamp-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest-quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in bluish pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift that you'll never want to take off. Price so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That is lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. 
Desmond Johnson and Skylar Callahan here with you, the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. The Panthers taking on the Atlanta Falcons 1 o'clock p.m. on Fox this Sunday. Um, real quick, Skylar, uh, any particular player you got an eye on for this uh, upcoming game on Sunday? Um, someone that you're kind of keeping watch on that maybe isn't a name that would come top of mind first off that might be key to the Panthers winning this football game? Yes, and – I'm glad you asked that because I was going to mention it anyways. I'm going to say somebody that probably nobody has talked about very much but has really performed well when when given his opportunity. That's Amir Abdul. I think Hmm. this dude is a guy that when has, again, has been given his opportunity, has taken full advantage of it. Chuba Hubbard's going to get his run as well. But with Christian McCaffrey out, you're going to need a guy – with a veteran presence that can not only help you in the run game, but the passing game as well. Amir Abdullah can do that. And he's shown that he can give a jolt to this offense. He did it the last time they played Atlanta. I think he can do it again. And again, this that matchup with Abdullah against Atlanta's defense, it worked really, really well for Atlanta or for, for Carolina in the last game against Atlanta. So I would expect we're probably going to see more of Amir Abdullah than maybe – we have in, in weeks past. Is it going to be more in Chuba? I'm not sure. But I think they have a couple of things that they can do that can exploit some things with the, to what they're doing defensively. Um, but also, I mean, you gotta you gotta keep in mind too what what uh what Cam Newton's gonna offer you in this game. If he goes out and protects the football, I think they they have a really good chance to win. And if I'm Jeff Nixon, go back to what they, that you guys were doing against Washington because it was working. And just protect the football, run the ball well, you know, just take what the defense is giving you, make plays with Cam Newton's feet, and you're going to do enough to win. This team doesn't need to score 30 points to win games a lot of weeks. Now, last two weeks, yeah, but if the defense can play the way we know they're capable of and the offense gives you 21 to 24 points, you're probably going to win. So go back to that, get a couple touchdowns, defense plays like it has been, and this team's going to somehow find a way to get into the playoffs. I you know I don't think mine is a player. It's really more of a, a scheme. I, I mentioned it at the beginning of the uh, the podcast. I want to see a heavy dose of run pass option. I want to see RPO out of this offense because they're built for it. It's almost like the offense is built for it. And it I almost, well. yeah, I you know what? I almost want to kind of see it the way Wake Forest runs it because Wake Forest That's runs a great it. Point. I was going to say yeah. that earlier. Because they they do it where like the mesh point is like a two second long like thing. Like they I really mean, ride it out. Yeah, they, they they really stretch it out at the mesh point. And then it's like you got to kind of figure out where the ball is. It makes it even harder. Imagine doing that with Cam Newton, Chuba Hubbard, and Abdullah in the backfield. Activate Terrence Marshall. Have him out there with uh, with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. You've got weapons. Like you, If you know your offensive line stinks, especially at pass block, don't pass the ball 40 times. <laughs> you know, it's like it's just – it's simple things I'm just waiting for them to do because if they can do simple things, then they can play fast. And when they play fast, they win. When they have to sit back and think about what they're doing or they get bludgeoned to death by the other team and not able to get off the field on defense or the offense can't stay on the field, that's when they've typically ran into problems. If they just do their jobs, you know, to borrow from Bill Belichick, who, who's quarterback threw the ball three times on a, <laughs> on Monday night and they won the football game against Buffalo – I, it just it feels like just do whatever it is you need to do individually and things will start to take care of themselves. It's like 
the defense is worried about the offense and the offense is worried about the defense. And it's like, everyone's worried about things that have nothing to do with themselves. Just do your job. And the easiest way to acclimate Cam Newton back into this offense is to implement things that he's good at. And he has run RPO since high school, <laughs> you know, like, why would you not do it? Like if, even if they know it's coming, they yeah. know it's coming with Cam Newton for the past 10 years. That's not, that's irrelevant. They know that you're going to try to run RPO. The problem is you can't, you can prep for it all you want, but you can't guarantee you're going to stop it hundred percent of the time because you're, you know, players are going to get caught in situations. They got to make a choice. If it's a 50, 50 type thing. And it's really, it comes down to the defensive end. Like what does that defensive end do when you're, when you're doing whatever it is and you play off of that. So I'm looking for Jeff Nixon to, to implement this or for them to have been implementing this over the past week or so. Like I want the first play of the game against Atlanta to be an RPO. (laughs) You know, like I want a heavy dose of it. I want us to run the ball 30 plus times. Some, we need to get over 120 yards on the ground, I think to be successful. Uh, No turnovers. And I want Cam to get an opportunity to rewrite the narrative because I think people last week took that game as an opportunity to point at Cam Newton and go, see, this is why we let you go to begin with. But I don't really know if all of that's really on Cam. Not, he just got put in a position where he was going to look bad, like no matter what happened, plus what Miami had planned. You know, it, it almost looked like Miami was like, oh, you're not going to run RPO. We've been practicing against that all week. You're going to make this easy for us and not even, you know, make us kind of guess where the ball is. Cool. We'll just send one extra guy more than you have blocking every time and we'll see if you can stop it. And the Panthers never adjusted. It's just, I mean, that's really what happened for that game. I want to see adjustments. Halftime adjustments, they've been putrid in the third quarter. Um, they, they need to be able to adjust on the fly. And maybe a lot of that was Joe Brady and not knowing how to. But now with them letting Brady go, it kind of feels like they've ran out of road, uh, Skyler, in terms of like where the excuses can go. Like now it's you've let the OC go because he wasn't part of your Baylor Temple family or whatever. The guys that are offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, they were your OC in DC at Baylor. Like, this is what you wanted. You've been able to draft who you want. By all accounts, it sounds like Tepper kind of stayed out of the way from the way it sounds. Like, it sounds like he's kind of letting Rule and Fitter do all of this. So, there's no one left to fire <laughs> except for Matt Rule. So, here we go. The, the plate's laid out, the dinner's sitting right there. What are you going to do with it? And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Run RPO run the football, don't turn it over, and let your defense do what they've been doing all year. And I think they've got a shot to win four out of five. Now, every time I've said something like that this year, I've been burned. <laughs> For like like three weeks following, it's like this is loss, loss, loss. And every time is different. But uh, maybe letting Brady go, maybe that's the spark they need. Yeah, I mean, when you go back and look at the history of Matt Rule, I mean – he, he spent one year in the NFL prior to coming to Carolina, and that was in 2012 with the New York Giants. So when you when you become a head coach in the NFL, it's really hard, I think, to build a staff full of NFL-experienced guys because you don't have those connections. I, I mean, he, he built some of those connections in that one year at New York. He's got uh, a little bit of history with, with Jimmy Johnson, obviously, which is what we've heard a lot about. But – you don't have those ties to where you can go, oh, well, I, you know, there, I, I had connections to Pat Shermer, or I had connections to Doug Peterson or something like that. Hmm. There's no connections like that for Matt Rule. All of his ties are back at college. So 
as tough as it is, it, it may sound, I think he's going to have to go out and try and find a veteran offensive play caller to really help the development of this offense and whoever the quarterback is going to be next year. So I think that's going to be a very tough chore for him. Scott Fitter may be able to help in some sense. Sean Ryan, the quarterback coach who's been in the league for a, quite a while, I think he may be able to help them out. So there may be some ties there. Look at who Sean Ryan's coached with. Maybe look at who Pat Myers coached with, the offensive line coach. Maybe there's some ties there. Um, but, yeah, I think what you, I think you're actually right about this. I think a week from now when we record the, the, the Falcons recap, we're going to be talking about a lot of RPO because – Jeff Nixon, when he was the offensive play caller at Baylor, they ran a lot of RPO. With oh, good. Charlie oh, Brooke, good. With Charlie Brooke. I mean, <laughs> oh, a lot. Because yes, I, yes. I, I covered I, – I still cover West Virginia to this day, and every time they played Baylor, it was nothing but RPO. Now, the the year, uh, which would have been – no, two years. So, 2018 – that that was not a great year for Baylor. They were like six and six. That was the year before they really got going. That was when Will Greer was still back at West Virginia, and they got thumped by West Virginia. Hmm. The year after, uh, in 2019, that that's when they really kind of took that next step. And Jeff Nixon, um, he just he was just killing it. I mean, they, they were doing a lot of different things um, in terms of RPOs and a lot of eye candy, which is, again, something – that's a term I love to use, eye candy. When you don't have eye candy pre-snap, it, it's almost like the defense can just sit there and stare at you, know what you're yes. doing. Yes, and that was driving me nuts with Joe Brady. There Joe was nothing Brady. like that at all. Yeah, No, Joe Brady, the only reason, from what I could tell, every time I went back and watched the All-22, the only reason they would send a guy in motion was to really just kind of expose whether the defense was in man or zone coverage. It wasn't the – run a guy into a route. It wasn't to run a guy into a, a chip or a block. It wasn't to to just move the defense's eyes. It was none of that. I think Jeff Nixon is going to do a little bit more of that, but stay within the, the offense. Yeah, and I'm so happy to hear you say that Jeff Nixon likes the RPO because I've really been thinking about this since they let Brady go. I'm like, whoever is going to run the show here, please take advantage of what you have. Like, Chuba Hubbard was the nation's leading rusher, you know, last year. And I'm pretty sure they did some RPO in that offense. Uh, Amir Abdullah, he seems like the type of running back that would benefit from an RPO system. He's a kind of a shifty, not want to say scat back, but he's more explosive than I thought he was. Yes. Like he, he can put his foot into the ground and kind of get north and south really quick. And I feel like they haven't used him enough, like in screens and, and you know, bubbles and stuff like that to just get him in space. Like he can kind of almost be McCaffrey light, you know, in terms of what he brings and, and, and Hubert just, he's just a good quality running back. He just hadn't gotten enough touches. Now they're going to get all the touches in the world in this platoon system. And what better way to do it? Pair them with cam. Look at what the Ravens are doing. Look at what the Ravens are doing with less. They have complete, they have nothing literally on offense except for Lamar Jackson. And they've got eight wins and yes, they are flawed, but they're basic. If you look at their their offense and what they're running, they're basically running an expanded version of what the Panthers ran in 2015, when mm -hmm. Cam led them to the Super Bowl with an offense similar to the Ravens, where you don't have a clear cut number one. They uh, they got Hollywood Brown, but I don't know if I would call him a number one wide receiver. Uh, he's their their better receiver, I guess you could say, and that was kind of the way the Panthers were constructed in 2015. Had a strong run game, 
I think the Ravens lead the league in, in, in rushing yards. Uh, Lamar's got a lot of it. Cam did in 2015. But they don't run just RPO. They expand out of it a little bit. But that's the crux of their offense. It's like they looked at 2015 Carolina Panthers and went, that fits our team. Let's uh, Why don't we do this? Because no one ever really stopped it. And everyone knew it was coming every week. And the Panthers were the number one offense in the league that year. Do what yeah. works until it's stopped. And to, to your point, stop outsmarting yourself. And maybe this week will be the first week where the Panthers can go about uh, doing that. Again, they take on the Atlanta Falcons um, 1 p.m. Sunday on Fox. Panthers still in the playoff hunt at seven, I mean, excuse me, at five and seven. Uh, any last words before we get out of here, Skyler, uh, in terms of Panthers and the 2021 season? We, it feels like it's been like three seasons. Yeah, it's, it's so there's been so many storylines. It's almost like you're watching like a Netflix show, and there's there's like seven different episodes, or <laughs> or or it's like you you can't wait till the next season comes out, and then that's all. It's here's here's Cam's Newton's return, and the Joe right. Brady. Like, God Almighty, I can't it's keep all up. These, all these cliffhangers, but it's crazy. <laughs> I will say this: I, I don't know how Jeff Nixon is going to come out. I, I expect there'll be some more RPO. I don't know how he's going to run the offense. I don't. I don't know if, how different it's going to be. I doubt it would be very much different. Um, but I will say that Matt Rule and Jeff Nixon, as you had mentioned earlier in the in the show, that they have a very, very long history. They both got their coaching start at Penn State around the same time. They've been with each other a couple of other stops. Um, and and quite frankly, you would have to think Matt Rule feels very comfortable with Jeff Nixon, considering he called plays for him at Baylor for three years. So I think they I don't I don't see this offense taking a whole big step and just becoming great all of a sudden, but I think we'll see a little bit more efficiency, especially with Cam having an extra week to prepare and learn the offense. And maybe maybe we see a, a strong finish down the stretch, but it has to start this Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. They've got to win this game to keep their hopes alive. The one thing I do know after watching the Panthers for 20 plus years, Cam Newton will show up versus Atlanta. Yeah. He, he'll be hype. Now, I'm not saying he's going to have a great game or anything, but he'll be ready to go. Uh, he, he tends to show up versus Atlanta with it being his hometown. So uh, an interesting situation here. We're on a roller coaster ride with the Panthers, and I've learned to just to not have expectations for this team. If they make the playoffs, awesome. I'll root for them as far as they go. If they don't, cool. They're still, like you said, they're kind of trending ahead of where they sh- probably should be with everything that's happened from COVID to roster turnover to – uh, staff turnover and everything else. So I'm just kind of taking it with a grain of salt and just along for the ride uh, and just happy. I'm actually happy they're contending uh, instead of being like, you know, three and eight or something at this point. Yeah. And we're all just like, you know, where are we going to land in the draft? Yeah. We're sitting there debating draft position and should we take games and stuff like that? So I'm kind of glad they're still relevant to a certain degree and we'll see what they can do regarding that. You can follow Skyler and his work. Uh, as beat writer for the Carolina Panthers and the Charlotte Hornets uh, for Sports Illustrated. Uh, you can follow him at Callahan underscore on Twitter. Get the links each week for uh, the articles he pumps out there. Uh, and does a great job. You can follow me on Twitter at DEZ underscore 3505 or at Tobacco Radio uh, and listen to our stuff over at TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. For Skylar Callahan, I am Desmond Johnson. You've been listening to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Networks. We will see you next week. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. 
That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.